My name is Fitz, and I'm the CEO of the Fitz Group. I'm glad you've chosen to listen to this week's excerpt from our weekly builder's call. This call is designed to help you move beyond personal sales and into building a business in the insurance industry. On one end of the income spectrum, we've helped a ton of agents make an additional $50,000 a year in override income on top of their sales income. And on the other end of the spectrum, we've helped a number of leaders make in excess of $1 million annually through the development of the override income into a business. And now, on to today's lesson. All right, today's training. Um, I, I really do love, <laughs> I love teaching. And I, I hope you guys get something from it. Um, if, I'm, if I'm teaching and you're not getting anything from it, then I don't see the point in teaching, right? That's, uh, it's not about hearing my voice ring. It's about uh, watching your business explode because of something, uh, a catalyst that I was able to provide, something I was able to say or, or do that kind of tweaked a little bit of thought process in your mind or a little bit of uh, execution there that you're doing. Um, in today's training, uh, I hope is, uh, is beneficial to you. Uh, a lot of times I will do nuts and bolts training, uh, the how-tos and, and that sort of thing. Uh, sometimes I do kind of um, uh, mental training, like uh, getting your mind right, as uh, Cool Hand Luke movie says. Uh, but uh, sometimes, like today, it's really just kind of um, kind of repeating some things that I've read uh, that I think you should know. Uh, and today's topic is major leadership attributes, major leadership attributes. Um, this is a, a section in the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich uh, by Napoleon Hill. Um, this is, listen, I, I, Think and Grow Rich is a book I read once a year, uh, whether I need it or not. And every time I read it, I, I, I get something else from it. And it's because once a year when I read it, I'm a different person than I was the year before. Um, grown, hopefully. And so I get something from it. Sometimes I just, I don't know if you ever experienced this. Hopefully you have, but something just strikes you at the moment when you need it. Um, and that's, and I think it's because it's uh, however you want to label it, but it's, it's the universe. Let's use Napoleon Hill's uh, language. It's the ether uh, teaching you what you need to know right now, uh, equipping you for what you need right now. Uh, there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot, there's a lot of different things people attribute that to, uh, but let's just go with Napoleon Hill's lingo of ether. So this lesson comes from Think and Grow Rich. If you have not read this book, Napoleon Hill was tasked by the great tycoon of industry, Andrew Carnegie, at one point, the wealth man in the world. Uh, Andrew Carnegie uh, had Napoleon Hill uh, sit down and, and take down all the notes about uh, Andrew Carnegie's life and how he was successful uh, and how he how he made his millions at the time. I think he was worth uh, 700, 800 million uh, at one point, which um, in today's standards is just ridiculous amounts of money, uh, wealthier than Bill Gates even. Uh, but, uh, but Napoleon Hill went beyond that. And that's what Andrew Carnegie wanted him to do. Napoleon Hill really interviewed uh, the great tycoons of the time. Uh, I know Henry Ford was one that he interviewed and, and many others. Um, and so putting this book together, and, and there's, there's several books written by Napoleon Hill that are out there that are really worth the read. Uh, but Think and Grow Rich isn't about working harder. Uh, it, it isn't necessarily just about working smarter, but it is thinking. And I, I feel um, my observation in the, in the world today is a lot of people uh, spend too much time doing and not enough time thinking. Uh, and I always get this quote wrong, and I, I may even have it attributed to the wrong person, but Abraham Lincoln said if he had s seven hours to chop down a tree, uh, he would spend six hours sharpening his axe. 
Um, and that's, that is the thinking in, of, of the growing rich. Is the thinking part is sharpening your acts and making yourself better uh, and, uh, and becoming a better version of who you're supposed to be and, and discovering who you are, discovering who you're not, you know, improving your strengths and, um, and, and being mindful of your weaknesses. Uh, that, all this stuff comes from Napoleon Hill. And really any self-development book, the personal development books that are out there, self-help, I think they're labeled in Barnes & Noble, whatever they're labeled as, but these books that are about making you better, um, so many of them are based on Napoleon Hill's uh, teachings and his writings. Uh, and so this is one of these cornerstone books that I think is uh, very valuable for you to read. Uh, today, I am not giving a, um, uh, a book report on Think and Grow Rich. Uh, there's so much, it's so thick, it's so good uh, uh, with information, just so filled with information. Uh, instead, what I'm doing is, is I'm taking a section from this book and kind of teaching on it today. Uh, I'm, I did not come up with this stuff. Uh, let me be clear about that. I believe in, in giving credit where credit is due. Napoleon Hill, this is his writing. Uh, it's just my commentary. Uh, so major leadership attributes. What are the attributes of a leader? Uh, as Napoleon Hill saw it. And Napoleon Hill was just reporting what he saw the top tycoons do and say and be, right? So the major leadership attributes, I believe there's 11, and uh, we will get through all of these today. I'm not going to spend 45 minutes on each point. Uh, so major leadership attribute number one, unwavering courage. Napoleon Hill says, based upon knowledge of self and of one's occupation, no follower wishes to be dominated by a leader who lacks self-confidence and courage. No intelligent follower will be dominated by such a leader very long. Unwavering courage. Uh, I, I, you and I both, if you're leading a team, you're talking to new agents, or, or maybe you just know new agents, or maybe once upon a time you were a new agent. So many agents are scared of the phone. Uh, I hear new agents talk about how the phone weighs 500 pounds. I experienced it myself. I felt like there was a mean gorilla sitting on the phone sometimes back in the day when I was making dials. And still to this day, I don't necessarily like talking on the phone. Uh, which is funny. It's how, how I've made my money. But um, sometimes that phone just feels like it still weighs a thousand, 10,000, a million pounds, and you just can't pick it up. Listen, being afraid of the phone is normal. It's not abnormal. It's, it's a very common trait among, among what we do, uh, right? However, unwavering courage. Courage is acting in spite of the fear. Without fear, you can't have courage. With, with, without opposition, you can't have courage. And that unwavering courage based upon knowledge of self and of one's occupation. So here's the thing about, about being a leader. You need to know yourself. And based on knowing yourself, you can then have that unwavering courage. And have you ever followed a, a, a weak leader? You ever, you ever, maybe you had a job once upon a time where the, the, the boss was just somebody who constantly put you down in order to make themselves feel better. Maybe that's, maybe that's somebody you worked for. Uh, maybe they, uh, and, and, and they were scared to face their own realities and, and, and really maybe they were intimidated that, uh, people, uh, in the organization, have you seen these leaders or people in the organization, they're worried about the leaders are worried about the followers being better at, at this, at, at whatever they're doing. Right. And so they end up, uh, waffling. And here's what I know. I know that <laughs> what you, what Napoleon Hill says, no intelligent follower is going to be dominated by such a leader for very long. Uh, I've, I've talked to plenty of people over the years that left where they were previously because they had a leader like this that, was, that, was, um, that lacked self-confidence and lacked courage. Um, and no intelligent follower is going to do that for very long. That's why people leave from one job to the next. Maybe they got paid well. Maybe they enjoyed their work. 
but the person they were that they were following just wasn't doing a great job. Uh, and you're not going to be dominated by that for very long. So if, if you're looking to be a great leader, develop your courage. And that's acting in spite of the fear. It's acting in spite of those things that come against you. Uh, that's the courage. Don't waver in it. All right, number two, self-control. Second major leadership attribute is self-control. Napoleon Hill says, the man who cannot control himself can never control others. Self-control sets a mighty example for one's followers, which the more intelligent will emulate. Self-control sets a mighty example for one's followers, which the more intelligent will emulate. It's, um, man, I, I mean, I'm, I'll be 43 this summer, and, uh, and I've definitely had some, some uh, high-flying leaders in my life. Uh, you know, all of us are part of the alliance, and, you know, Andy's certainly one of the leaders in my life. Uh, but I've had coaches, and I've had mentors uh, that are leaders in my life. I've, I've owned my own business for 20 years now. Uh, and so in, in my company, the Fitz Group, I am the, the top of the totem pole as far as leaders are concerned. And having watched other leaders, I'm very aware of this number two. And I, I don't know that I always um, uh, do a great job with number two, self-control. Uh, I, I see uh, leaders out there, observe leaders, and, and this is, I'm keeping this very general. I'm not speaking specifically. Uh, but I've seen leaders across the, across the board that maybe they drink too much in, in, in social settings with followers that are around them. Maybe they drink too much and now they can't control what they're saying. They can't control what, what they're doing. Um, and they end up losing respect in the eyes of their followers. And it makes it hard for those followers to uh, follow that leader for very long. So I'm, I'm not, that's just one example. I'm not knocking that, but you know, maybe the, maybe the leader, uh, had an issue with, uh, with sleeping around. Uh, maybe the leader had an issue with language, right? That, that, and I mean, profanity. I, that's, listen, I, if, we're, if we're really being transparent today, I, 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 profanity is one of my things. <laughs> you know, I, I used to be really profane in what I said and cussed a lot uh, 20 years ago. And that's something I had to rein into control because I realized it offended a lot of people. Uh, and that wasn't something that um, I wanted to do. There's no money in offending people, not in what we do anyway. There's maybe if you're, you know, a shock radio uh, host, <laughs> maybe there's plenty of money in offense. Uh, Howard Stern comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> maybe there's plenty. But for me, no, there was no money in offending others. And so really having to control that. And here's what I've noticed in my own, that, that, that when I'm following a leader that, that is controlled, it makes me rise up me as a follower, it makes me rise up to their standards. Whereas when you're following a leader that lacks self-control, what you're going to find is you're going to be okay with where you're at. And that keeps you there. That's a problem. So self-control, major leadership attribute. Number three, a keen sense of justice. Without a sense of fairness and justice, no leader can command and retain the respect of his followers. These are, these are deep points that Napoleon Hill's making, and I'm positive I'm not going to do a, an appropriate job of commentating on this. Go read the book. But a keen sense of justice, like raising kids, what I've discovered is um, my kids want to be treated equally, and I can't do that, but I can treat them fairly because my kids are different. They have different personalities. They have different strengths. When I say kids, I'm also talking about this business. You know, there's in this business, there's people who have 
certain strengths that others don't have and, and, and vice versa. You know, then there's some people that have weaknesses that, that just different, but understanding fairness, fairness is not about, uh, and justice is not about treating people equally. You can't possibly treat people equally because we're not equal. Now, some say, ah, we're, we're born equal. We're in inalienable rights and the constitution. Yay. We're born equal, but we're not the same person. And so we are not equal. <laughs> one equals one. One plus one equals two, right? Like two people, no two people are equal. They're all different. And so their value may be equal, but they are different. And so you, you really have to think about that. You have to, you have to focus on, um, am I treating this person fairly? Uh, in this situation, am I clearly understanding what's right and what's wrong? And are you standing by it? You know, Heather and I were having a conversation this weekend, and one of the core values of the Alliance is integrity, where your yes and yes is yes, and no is no, and right is right, and wrong is wrong. Like, there's no gray area. And I, I don't know, like, I, I, have, um, I have a son that's like this too, but I, I'm, I just very, have been very clear on right and wrong most of my life. And I know in my life when I've done wrong, and I knew when I was doing it, right? But it's, you, the, the integrity that you live with, uh, if you uh, sacrifice integrity, you will sacrifice the people following you. Uh, when they see that you lack integrity, now all of a sudden there's a trust issue. I can't trust this person. If I can't trust them about one thing, can I trust them about all things? Right? No. I mean, if you can't trust them in one thing, then that, that brings to question everything. So keen sense of justice. Again, I feel like Napoleon Hill does this so much better than me, but that's just my commentary on it. Hang with me. <laughs> Number four. Definiteness of decision. The man who wavers in his decision shows that he is not sure of himself and cannot lead others successfully. Definiteness of decision. Um, a lot of times, I love teaching the flywheel doom loop, and I, I love talking about how, you know, reacting with understanding versus reacting without understanding. That, that's the difference between staying in the flywheel or, or getting into the doom loop, uh, having positive momentum or negative momentum. And that definiteness of decision, when somebody is wavering back and forth, back and forth. Now, um, I've heard so many people talk about hiring when you're hiring, you should be real deliberate on hiring somebody on the front end, but be very quick about firing them on the back end. Um, I'm not saying that a decision needs to be a quick decision, a fast decision, but I think a decision needs to be definitive when it's made. Now, are you ever going to be a hundred percent definite on your decision? No, hopefully not. Because if you're waiting to get to a hundred percent definiteness, if that's a thing, if you're waiting to get to 100% before making a decision, you're not ever going to make a decision. There's always doubts. Hiring our first staff member. Now, it's, it's been 15 years, 16 this summer since we brought Joanne on part-time. And, I mean, when we first brought her on part-time, was were we nervous? Yeah. Was I concerned that I wasn't going to be able to pay her next week? Sure. There was a little bit of nerve there, but decision that was made, let's go with it. Let's march out these orders. Let's go do it. Um, maybe you're deciding, you know, should I – should I, I don't know if I should put money into advertising and recruiting or not. Look, make the decision and move, man, because that's what inspires people to follow behind you. The, 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 I mean, just picture this image of a, a leader in the battlefield going, I don't know if we should go left or right or what we should do. Like here, here's, I don't know if you've seen the beginning of Saving Private Ryan. I think it's a great movie. And the beginning shows D-Day and Tom Hanks is, you know, with his, all these people storming the beaches of Normandy. And they're behind this, this uh, I don't know what they call it, this, they were using it for protection from being shot. 
And the, the guy was like, uh, I don't know where to go. And where, where, where are we supposed to go, sir? And Tom Hanks says, anywhere but here. <laughs> go. If you stay here, you're dead. That's definiteness of decision. You've got to get up and go. And people will follow that. From a leadership perspective, the, the image I always had was that little toy we had when we were kids. It was like these little ducks on a string. They had wheels on the bottom of them for feet. And if you just, if you just kind of sat there, the ducks may be in a, a jumbled up mess. But if you grab the string and just start walking with those ducks, the ducks will pull behind you. That's an example. And they'll line up right in the line behind you. That's an example of definite, definiteness of decision. I'm grabbing this string and I'm walking. That's where I'm going, right there. Who's with me, right? Who's marching with me? Like, let's go. But when you're, when you're waffling, when you're wavering, people are going to look for somebody else that's making a decision. And you've just lost somebody who was looking to you for leadership. Number five definiteness of plans. A successful leader must plan his work and work his plan. A leader who moves by guesswork without practical definite plans is comparable to a ship without a rudder. Sooner or later, he will land on the rocks. Whew. Definiteness of plans. Successful leader must plan his work and work his plan. Um, I, I have been, uh, listen, anytime that you're definiteness of decision is out there. Anytime you're working, anytime you're succeeding, anytime you're climbing up the flagpole, there's going to be critics. If you can't handle critics, then you can't handle life. I mean, it's just critics. I mean, I, you read it on social media, people criticizing each other all the time. It's ridiculous. One of the things I've been criticized over the years is being too numbers oriented. It used to be I wasn't a numbers person. Now I'm totally a numbers person and being too numbers oriented. Well, here's the problem. I don't think I'm too numbers oriented and I challenge more people to be numbers oriented because numbers are definite. And I don't know how to plan without, I don't know how to plan by guessing. I, I, don't, I mean, I, I believe in taking risks, but I need to have those risks with some understanding. Like I need to know why I'm doing it. Coaching people on phone scripts, for example. Like it, it's, if, if we're not, I'm not going through the activity tracker, not training on that this morning, we got this spreadsheet we use to track our numbers and see how things are going. Well, if you are, um, if you are talking, if you're, if you're, your contacts to appointments, the people you're talking to, you should be booking half of those into an appointment. If your number is less than that, there's something wrong. Plain and simple. And, and the people that you're booking into an appointment, 75% of those should show. Maybe not this week, but rule of large numbers says, yes, it should play out like that. If not, there's something wrong. So many people play this game by guessing. And it goes back to that flywheel doom loop where they react without understanding. Man, my production's kind of low right now. I just need to buy more leads. Really? What are you making that decision on? You're guessing. You're guessing what the problem is. Let's track our numbers and move with understanding. A definiteness of plans. Sooner or later, without the definite plans, sooner or later, you will run up on the rocks. <laughs> and a ship on the rocks, it, it doesn't sail as well, okay? <laughs> Number six, the habit of doing more than paid for. Number six, major leadership attribute, the habit of doing more than paid for. One of the penalties of leadership is the necessity of willingness upon the part of the leader to do more than he requires of his followers. <laughs> One of the penalties of leadership is the necessity of willingness upon the part of the leader to do more than he requires of his followers. Um, coming into this new soccer season, our, our oldest uh, is, is definitively in a leadership role on his team. 
it's, it's definitely, there are people looking to him for leadership and he's stepping up and he's leading. Uh, one of the things I've been challenging him on because he said that he wants to play top level soccer in, in college and uh, he's going into eighth grade. So there's a few years before he's going, going off to college, but it starts now. And I've challenged him in his conditioning. I, I don't know if you, if anybody on this call watches soccer, it just is one of our family sports that we enjoy watching. Even my wife loves watching it. I've played it my whole life and uh, refed and all, all sorts of stuff. Been involved in the game for a long time. And, and yesterday was the Women's World Cup and the Men's Gold Cup. And, and, and you know, watching these players come off the field uh, towards the end of the game, being subbed out, they ran nearly six miles in that game. And if you're not conditioned, you're getting smoked on that field if, you, if, you're, if you're not in the habit of running longer. All right. So that's what I've been challenging my, my uh, son on because his team's going to be looking to his conditioning as to what they should be doing. So today he started his, his morning with his team. They're doing morning conditioning practices for an hour and a half, hour, two hours, whatever it is. They're doing conditioning. And I, I challenged him. I said, when you go out there, you've got to give it your all because your team is looking to you as a leader, as a leader for how much effort is he putting in. And if, if they see you putting in less effort than them, they're going to feel like they don't need to put in more effort because you're the leader and you're not putting in more effort. The habit of doing more than paid for. My dad used to always tell me, son, the man, you earn the promotion. You do the work of the promotion before you get the promotion. You do the work before you get paid for the work. Step up and do more. One of the things I'm in the habit of is when I'm in, in the bathrooms here in the office, I'm constantly picking up in the bathrooms. It's, it's, it's more so on a Tuesday when we have a lot of agents in and out. The rest of the week is not as much because it's really just me and Bruno using our bathroom, and he's a fairly neat guy. But I'm constantly cleaning up. I'm constantly using a paper towel to wipe the sink and make sure it looks clean. It's just a little bit more. And, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. I know I could do better at this. But the habit of doing more than paid for, well, that's, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I can hear people saying I'm not getting paid for that, <laughs> Right. Like I don't, when somebody reaches out to me for help, I'm not turning them down. Now, there's lots of people in the Alliance that reach out to me for support and help, and I can't make them a priority, but I am going to help them because that's the habit of doing more than paid for. Number seven, a pleasing personality. A leadership attribute, Napoleon Hill said, a pleasing personality. No slovenly, according to him, slovenly, what a good word. That's not used enough these days. No slovenly, careless person can become a successful leader. Leadership calls for respect. Followers will not respect a leader who does not grade high on all factors of a pleasing personality. We could do a, a, an hour teaching just on pleasing personality, but pleasing personality has to do with more than just, you know, whether you laugh or not, um, right? A, a, a pleasing personality, really, how, how high do you rank on the empathy scale? Do you, do you care about others? Um, do you have a good sense of humor? Do you laugh? Do you show, does your face show that you're happy, right? Um, and how do you dress? That's, that's, like it or not, how you dress is part of your personality. And if you wear offensive t-shirts or uh, say offensive things, if, if you're constantly, hey, listen, if, if I got on here and spouted my, my, uh, uh, my political views, either left or right, uh, I'm going to eventually create division, Right? There's division right now in the world on a lot of different fronts. There's uh, equal pay between male and females. We don't have that problem here. You do the work, you get paid. I love that. Uh, there's, there's racial divisions. There's political divisions. There's, there's, there's religious divisions. Like I'm not jumping into all those divisions. I tend to avoid those topics 
in conversation because I want a pleasing personality. And I may be the nicest guy in the world, but say something politically that you disagree with and suddenly you don't like me. What threw you off? My personality. <laughs> That's what threw you off, right? So followers will not respect a leader who does not grade high on all factors of a pleasing personality. It, sometimes this business is just about being liked. And can you gather people? You cannot gather people if they do not like you. Number eight, sympathy and understanding. The successful leader must be in sympathy with his followers. Moreover, he must understand them and their problems. Now, uh, there's always sympathy and empathy are often used interchangeably. Uh, that I, I hear a lot of people using them interchangeably. And um, I, 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 my understanding of this, uh, of sympathy, is where you actually take on uh, and start to wallow with that person in their misery, uh, in their problems. And I, I'm not going to do that. I got enough of my own problems. I can't take your problems on too, but I can empathize with, with you in the problems where you are. And rather than jumping in that mud hole and wallowing around with you, I can reach down and try to pull you out and give you some practical tips to get out of that quicksand, but I'm not jumping in the quicksand with you. So, um, However, whatever terminology you use there, sympathy versus empathy, I believe empathy is the thing you want and sympathy is not, but you may disagree and I'm, I'm happy with you disagreeing. That's fine. The, the point here is you don't need to wallow around with somebody. You need to be the voice that's helping them out of their situation. In order to help somebody out of their situation, you got to understand the situation that they're in. You got to understand and you only understand by asking more questions. Uh, it, Proverbs says it's a fool that responds to a situation without understanding the whole situation. That's the Fitz Living Translation, by the way. <laughs> so that that's true. So if you're going to to help somebody, you need to understand their problems, but don't take those problems on to yourself. You know that person's bad marriage doesn't become my bad marriage, right? Uh, that person's financial woes don't become my financial woes but I can relate and I can appreciate the situation that they're in and, and we can help them out. But you got to understand the whole picture. Um, I, I find in, in conversations with agents, a lot of times people will say, I know, I know, I know. And, and, and they don't know. And, and they don't realize what they don't know until they're asked the right question. And then the truth really does come out. I can't appropriately, you can't appropriately respond to somebody's situation until you know the situation. Seek understanding over being understood. Seek understanding over being understood, meaning seek to understand that other person rather than getting them to understand you. They don't care about you. <laughs> That's just, John Maxwell once said, 80% of people don't care about your problems. The other 20% are actually glad it's happening to you. So 100% people are focused on themselves. So rather than trying to get that other person to understand you, understand them. Number nine, mastery of detail. Successful leadership calls for mastery of the details of the leader's position. You know, from a leadership perspective, one of the, one of the things I think, I believe in this business, you need mastery over is your numbers. 
you need to know your numbers, your metrics. What are the, what are the metrics that measure the strength of your business? What are the pulses? You know, we've talked about this and you can go check out that, that video or podcast, whatever you're uh, listening into or, or watching. But uh, uh, as far as the four pulses, well, how many people are recruiting in your business and how many recruits are you doing? How many, how many interviews do you have booked? And how many interviews are going for your whole team? Uh, what, what kind of people do you have? How many people do you have going uh, to family reunion or to the next major conference? How many people do you have that are writing business that are recruiting people, right? Like these are, these are important things to understand the details of. Volume is important. Yes, volume is important to understand. What does production look like? But we often say around here that recruiting predicts production. So what's your recruiting numbers look like? And what are the details there? And how does that compare to what you did last week? How does it compare to what you did last month? And listen, I'm not saying you need to have all these numbers memorized. There's lots of stuff I don't have memorized. Henry Ford was notorious for saying, I don't have everything memorized, but I can have six people here in five minutes to tell you the answer to these questions, right? So I'm not saying I've got all my numbers memorized, but I know where I can pull them up and look at them. Does that make sense? mastery of detail. Number 10, but by the way, mastery of detail doesn't mean OCD and it doesn't, <laughs> mastery of detail doesn't mean that you're holding people to an insane standard. It's holding yourself to that standard. Okay. Number 10, willingness to assume full responsibility. The successful leader be, must be willing to assume responsibility for the mistakes and the shortcomings of his followers. If he tries to shift the responsibility, he will not remain the leader. If one of his followers makes a mistake and shows himself incompetent, the leader must consider that it is he who failed. This is a doozy, right? So um, this is where leadership really meets the road, where the rubber meets the road on this uh, is the willingness to assume full responsibility. Now, I'm not going to, like I say, dive off into uh, political um, uh, commentary. That's, that's not how I make money, so I avoid it. That said... I think for uh, several, several, several presidencies in a row, uh, we, there's been a lack of responsibility and accountability and, and taking, taking responsibility for actions. I think, it's, I think it's a common thing, and, and I don't blame the presidents for that. We're the ones electing them. I think, it's, I think it's a rampant thing in our country today that we don't accept responsibility. Don't respond, we don't accept responsibility or assume responsibility for our, our actions or for the actions of those that we're leading. Well, one of the things I admire about the Navy is uh, the captain of the ship. If the ship wrecks, it's the captain's fault. But he was asleep. Somebody else was driving. Doesn't matter. It's the captain's fault. The head of that boat is the head of that boat, and he takes full responsibility for what happens to that boat. I love it. And that's where leadership, I think, gets really hard. <laughs> gets really hard. When, when I've got an agent, and I've had agents in the past, that uh, forged applications. Oh my gosh, when that happens, it breaks my heart because I thought, I didn't tell them not to do that. <laughs> now, you might assume that people understand they, they shouldn't forge applications. Forge, that, that, should be, that should be one of these things that you just know as an adult. Well, maybe their parents failed them. Maybe their parents never told them. Maybe I never told them. I take responsibility. My fault. My fault. When one, somebody on staff makes a mistake, my fault. When, when, when somebody at the house, you know, one of the kids, Heather, I'm leading them. If, if, if they're off course, that's on me. Take responsibility for the people you're leading. Assume responsibility for their mistakes. And here's one of the things that I like to say. I don't take the blame for your success and I don't take the blame for your failure. You're a human, you're an adult, you make those decisions on your own. 
However, if you fall down, I do go, dang it, that's on me. My bad. Now, what if I've told them 15 times? Still your bad. Still on your, it's still on you. Um, I've given people advice. They made the wrong decision and they, they, uh, they, they didn't take my advice. They made the wrong decision. And they got impacted financially by that. Um, do, I, do I feel bad? Yeah, they made that decision. And as an adult, they should take responsibility for that. But if I was really that convinced that I was right, I should have sold it better and convinced them to, do, to, to go the direction I advised. Should have. It's on you as the leader. You've got to assume that, that responsibility. That's a big one. And number 11, cooperation. The 11th major leadership attribute is cooperation. The successful leader must understand and apply the principle of cooperative effort and be able to induce his followers to do the same. Leadership calls for power and power calls for cooperation. I like to say at the Fitz Group and the Alliance that we have um, uh, created a, 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 a culture of competition, right? Uh, we, uh, we, 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 are competitive. All of us want to win. We want to do our best. Uh, we want to beat the next guy. Uh, and yet we're going to cooperate in that effort. And there's real power in that. I think if you are someone who is not cooperative, maybe you keep all your secrets close to your chest and you're not sharing with the world because it's, it's my precious, you know, you're just protecting that. And you're going to, you're like Lenny from, of mice and men, you're going to choke that rabbit out just because it's so cute. You got to cooperate, man. You, you got to share, uh, you got to help. And one of the things I like to say is, and, and this is something uh, I've heard Andy say, I, I was recorded on video one time and it's actually on our website. It's kind of, I call it the, the TFG attitude. The attitude is this, that I'm going to tell you all my secrets and then I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to tell you all my secrets. I'm going to give us a level playing field and then I'm going to outwork you. That's the attitude of the Fitz group. That's the attitude of our leadership is we believe in helping each other, but then outworking each other. And it's a fun thing. And I promise that, that some people aren't going to be attracted to that. Those just aren't our people. <laughs> They're just not, not in our tribe. And that's fine. But most are going to be attracted to that. They are going to be attracted to be on a winning team that helps each other win. I got you. Keep getting unmute there. So the 11 major leadership attributes. Um, it all, it, this gives us all something to work on. Uh, none of us are going to be perfect on these 11 things, uh, but Napoleon Hill and all of the tycoons that he interviewed saw these 11 things as, uh, as the major attributes to leadership. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with The Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.